did you know that the top three days for heart attacks is December 25th, 26th, and January 1st, respectively. This is according to the American Heart Association Journal Circulation. One of the main reasons? Holiday stress. It complicates existing heart issues. Now, tell me if any of this resonates with you. Every year around mid to late November, it happens. I hear my first Christmas carol while I'm at a store or a restaurant. It's at this precise moment that my holiday anxiety switches on and remains active until a week or so past New Year's. For me, it's that I remember where I was and what I was doing moment. This year, it was a Friday, only two weeks into November, I heard Santa Claus is coming to town on speakers while picking up a pizza. And then it was on. For most of my life, Christmas has not been an overly joyous time, filled with financial stress, family stress, shopping stress, dinner stress, party stress. Despite my personal situation changing, allowing me to enjoy the holidays more now, this season is, and I think always will be, a trigger. Even now, I'm so looking forward to January the 2nd, and I know I'm not alone. Just because marketing and friends tell us this is the season of joy and celebration, holiday anxiety is a very real thing for many. On this episode, we examine why we feel this way, why it's so hard to get past, but most importantly, I'll have some tips for you to try and at least better cope with this season of merriment. My guest is psychologist Dr. Lorraine Patterson from the Ontario Shores Centre for Mental Health Sciences. Better holiday health, right now on the Mental Health Podcast. Hello, Dr. Patterson. You know, this time of year, I'm unbelievably stressed because of the holidays. Yeah, well, I think that makes so much sense in so many ways. I think, to be honest, Kevin, you're not alone. You know, I find uh, the, the holiday season incredibly stressful. I think most people do. And I think there's a lot of explanations for it, both because I'm a psychologist. I think about systems in the transaction. You mentioned the term trauma, things that have happened within in our lives historically. And by definition, it's about what happens inside and what happens outside that makes, I think, this time of year uh, incredibly stressful. Uh, and some of the things are kind of obvious, like families, right? Um, this is a time where we're all kind of, the expectation is that we're all going to have these happy families and we're all going to socialize with these happy families. What if that's not the reality of your life? That there's some painful dynamics in the context of family. I think that adds to our stress level. And then for some of them, it's almost the opposite. It's things like uh, being separated from the family. And that it's what kind of kind of exacerbates feelings of loneliness, isolation, despair, emptiness, all those things. So that's kind of one of the external things that kind of, I think, contributes to why uh, this time of year is so, so incredibly stressful for many of us. Uh, if we, those of us who do have, you know, a painful traumatic past, and then in this, in the, this particular time, our thoughts, our memories, especially of those traumas and stre extreme stressors had to relate to uh, previous family experiences and family dynamics, it would make so much sense that this time of year would be stressful. So I think that's one part of it. But I think the other part is other things that are kind of uh, you know, the trappings of the season. There's a lot of pressure to spend, spend, spend at this time of year. And we're all kind of stretched to the max financially. Some of us are just making it from, you know, paycheck to paycheck if we're lucky enough to have one. 
so you add, you know, uh, already financial stress and then there's pressures of things being, having to purchase things for presents and gifts and all of that extra uh, financial demands. So I think that's another piece. But the other piece is I think some of the uh, the internal pressures that we place on ourselves, right? Uh, the expectations that things be a certain way, uh, the demands that we kind of socialize because there's so many parties that we kind of partake in all the uh, all the festive activities. Be it uh, you know, there's a lot of you know every every. Uh, clinic has all kinds of treats scattered around if you've got issues with food or issues with substance this is often a time where there's lots of parties and so again a lot of cues that I think would add to the level of stress for people that makes this a really uh, an incredibly difficult time and the law says you must be happy you must be jolly at this time of the year that's another part Right. That was exactly. The kind of external and internal pressure. Sometimes that's something we tell ourselves. Why am I not happy? I'm not happy. Oh, my goodness. Or somebody says, what's what's wrong with you? Why aren't you happy? Those pressures internally and externally. When what if we're not feeling happy? What if we are feeling actually very sad and lonely? We have to make space and room for those feelings, too. But the pressure to be different, to feel different, to feel joyous, happy, adds to the stress level. Absolutely. All right. So can you fix it? <laughs> I wish I had a magic wand where I could go like that. And I'll be honest. I think that's one of the things, the internal pressures that can add to the stress. At least it is for me, and I don't think I'm alone. What I mean is the idea that there's some quick fix that I can do to make it all better. And unfortunately, I don't think there is. So when you ask, I'll, I'll use a dialectic. I don't think there is a magic solution. And there are things that we can do to make it more manageable, more tolerable, to be able to get through some of the stresses and the sadness and the other feelings that come up during the holidays. So let's talk about a few coping mechanisms. What are just some things people can do to try and at least alleviate some of the stress? All right. Thank you for asking. So one of, I think the first one, at least one of the ones that I often try to uh, use first and foremost is to manage my expectations and sometimes not just manage them, but adjust them. Here's what I mean. Uh, being able to let go of the idea that I have to be jolly, I have to be happy, or there's something wrong with me. Or that everybody around me has to be jolly or happy, or it's gonna, <laughs> there's something wrong with them. So it's kind of managing my expectations of myself, but also my expectations of everybody else around me as, as one example of a coping strategy. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure. Give me another one. Yeah, another one. Well, even in the context of managing the expectations is give yourself permission to say no. To, to, to no to the things that don't suit you, that are good for you or to you. Uh, and give yourself equally permission to say yes to the things that are will actually enrich your life as opposed to deplete from your life. Sometimes there's the pressure to do everything, which is going to add to our stress. So having the permission to say no is critical and being selective about what you say yes to. Okay, let's talk about family. Family, that's another important piece. There we want to, again, manage expectations of ourselves with family and them, kind of including giving them permission to not always be happy, 
giving ourselves permission to sometimes take a break from some painful dynamics, whether it's kind of developing a plan. I'm going to go to see family. Okay, I better have an exit strategy when things get tense. I better have a, a plan for saying kind of putting limits on consuming alcohol. If you're already struggling at the at the holiday season, being able to not uh, avoid drinking, but use it in moderation is going to be important. So having a plan with that, when people are offering you drinks all the time or offering you things to eat, if those are triggers, have a plan, a cope ahead plan, so you know how to deal with those dynamics. Um, those That would be a credibly important thing. If you do have people in your life, family that you really feel connected to, having planning ahead and having ways that you can connect with them in ways that are meaningful for you, even if that means creating new traditions, uh, that could be an incredibly important thing. And for those where their family is all over the world, they have a hard time physically connecting, making a purposeful, deliberate intent to connect even if it might not be the way you would like it to be. You can't see them, you can't touch them, you can't hug them, but you can call them. Hopefully you might be able to FaceTime. We're old school, you write a letter and send it. That would be a way of connecting, finding ways of connecting, whether it's your family of origin or your created family of friends, uh, really important. You know, it, it's interesting that we can do as much work as we want working on our depression and anxiety disorders. But when it comes to going home or going to uh, be with family members, all that work just seems to be thrown out the window and you're right back where you started from. What happens and what do you do about it? There you go. Well, that's when things like this, you asked me before about my distress tolerance kit might become in handy. It looks like you have a toy box behind you for people who are listening. You, you can't see it, but that definitely looks like a toy box. What is that? Yeah, it looks like a toy box, but it really isn't. It, well, in some ways, it does have toys. And of course, you're not going to walk around with something like this at your family gathering, but you can make one to go in your cell phone, having pictures of things that you love, music, a playlist. So when things, when you find yourself getting triggered, you can stop temporarily remove yourself from a situation and maybe go play a game on your 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 uh your cell phone or look at some pictures that are pleasing to you just to give yourself some breathing room until you can go back into the situation or maybe you choose to leave it but the point is we need to have some strategies even in those difficult places we've done past episodes on loneliness and we know how bad it can be for your physical health. But I think loneliness has got to be amplified exponentially during the holiday season. Yeah, great question. And I think, again, coming from uh, looking at the inside and the outside, I think one thing we want to do is simply stop and just validate the loneliness, acknowledge it, and give yourself lots of grace that it makes sense that we're lonely. The message is, Happy family, happy family. What if that's not your situation? What if you have no family? So give yourself permission. It's okay to feel sad and it's okay to feel lonely. Those are normal feelings. So that's the first piece. You want to validate what's valid. Then the other thing is, but you know, they're recognize what can I do right now? What's one thing I can do? Just asking yourselves the question, 
Who's one thing, person I can connect to? And sometimes it's a person like a family member or a, a best friend. Maybe it's a therapist or a psychiatrist or a, a peer, right? Uh, connecting in ways that are meaningful for you. And if you don't have them, if you've got a pet, right? It's different. It's not the same, but we all need to connect as part of the human experience. So cuddling with a pet might be incredibly important. The other thing though is connecting with ourselves. It might sound counterintuitive if you're already feeling lonely, but sometimes in order to connect in meaningful ways with other people, we also have to figure out how to connect with ourselves. So doing things like journal writing could be important, including if we're writing about, I'm feeling really lonely and acknowledging and using the the journal as a way of kind of honoring and expressing those feelings when we might not have some living being to express them to. We can express them safely to ourselves without trying to push them away. So let's summarize here. What can you say? What would you say to a, a patient who came in who's triggered by Christmas carols, the shopping and the, 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 the forced merriment at this time of year? Yeah, I think my biggest message, well, I think there were two. One is it makes sense that you're struggling and you are not alone. There's lots of people who are struggling just like you, as opposed to beating yourself up about it. My invitation is to give yourself lots of grace and lots of compassion. The other would be is to find some ways to, again, manage those expectations. But you know what I'd also say? What will be so critically important is to take care of yourself by saying no to the things that you want to or need to say no to, giving yourself permission. But also other things like kind of you need to feed your body when we're to reduce our vulnerability to to the, the stresses of the holiday season, getting good sleep, taking our medication if medication is part of our our, our life, our, our our well-being, taking care of our physical health. Uh, if we're cold, if we're sick, you stay home, those types of things, getting balanced meals, getting sleep. We've got to take care of our bodies so our bodies take care of us. And again, the idea of giving ourselves permission to say no. I think those are really important pieces. Now, none of these coping mechanisms are going to get rid of any symptoms. But can you actually somewhat enjoy the holiday season, do you think? I think you can. And here's another tip I never thought about that I think would be important. You know, like I said, the holiday season can be filled with fear, dread, loneliness, isolation, feelings of emptiness. In order to survive those feelings, and I think some of those are normal, natural feelings, in order to survive them and survive them well, we're going to need to find some places to have some sprinkling of joy. So deliberately with intention, going and doing things that give you pleasure, that bring some joy to you. For me, for example, it's music. I love music. Before this, this interview, I was feeling a little bit nervous. So I had a party of one turned on some music and dance like nobody's watching. It doesn't have to be long. Five minutes is enough, but we have to do things that sprinkle the season with joy in whatever way that looks like for us. I know a lot of people are, are thinking about this, 
But I'm going to suggest the most important thing that you said is you are not alone. Absolutely. Not alone. There's lots of people. So that's the other thing you can always do. Reach out. There are, for, for those of people, you know, crisis lines are, there's a good reason why they are more busy nowadays during this year. Find some peer, somebody that you can remind yourself that you're not alone. Even if it feels like you're alone. Well, thank you. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Thank you. I hope you have uh, a, a joyous holiday as well. Dr. Lorraine Patterson from the Ontario Shores Center for Mental Health Sciences. Coming up next on the Mental Health Podcast, it's our coping segment. And I have a great tip for you on an effective way to try and alleviate just some of your holiday anxiety. An alarming rise in the number of adolescents being diagnosed with an eating disorder in Canada, according to a new report published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. Up 60% compared with pre-pandemic, with hospitalizations of mainly young women up just as much since March 2020. It may surprise you to learn that eating disorders account for the highest death rate of any mental illness, with suicide as a major outcome, and its victims are mainly teens and young adults. Don't struggle alone. See your doctor and ask them about the Eating Disorders Program at Ontario Shores. We have a high trained and empathic team ready to help you get your life back. We welcome family members to be part of your treatment and even have access to teachers so you can continue your education while recovering. For more information, go to ontarioshores.ca. Time now for our coping segment. Just before I get to this episode's coping strategy, I invite you to check out our website, ontarioshores.ca slash holiday health for some great advice from the experts here at Ontario Shores on coping at this time of year. There's also a list of great resources. Right now, though, I want to share something that works for me. In fact, this is a tip you can use year round. Think about this. You have to go to the office Christmas party. You have to spend Christmas Eve at your in-laws, Christmas Day at your folks' place, Christmas dinner somewhere else, and so on. And most likely you have put these in your calendar. Well, think of these appointments in a different way. Put an appointment in there for yourself. You actually have to put this down. You need to put the appointment in your phone an hour or two every couple of days for you. Call it me time. We seldom make time for ourselves because other appointments seem to take priority. And if we we take any time off, we feel as though we're not accomplishing anything. But believe me, when it comes to your mental health, sometimes pulling back the rest, the relaxation is indeed a priority. So if me time is actually in your calendar, don't let anything else take its place. It's not selfish. It's vital, especially if you have holiday anxiety. Heck, you can use it just to avoid holiday anxiety and use that time. Watch a show, go for a walk, have a nap, sit there and and contemplate, look at pictures, look at uh, anything that makes you happy. Take a shower, take a bath, indulge in yourself. This might be the breath you need that helps you make it to January the 2nd. Please know that you are not alone at this time of year. It is stressful. It is demanding. It's triggering. And it's okay for you to feel that way. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the Mental Health Podcast. 
If you have any thoughts about this episode or suggestions for future episodes, please send me an email at thementalhealthpodcast at ontarioshores.ca. Please don't be alone. Reach out for professional help. For more resources and advice, check out our website, ontarioshores.ca. The Mental Health Podcast is a production of Ontario Shores Centre for Mental Health Sciences. I'm Kevin Frankish. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. Oh,